Hello, welcome to Secure Talk, your trusted source of information on the latest threats, trends, tools, and technology related to cybersecurity and compliance. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Secure Talk. My name is Mark Schreiner, and I'll be your host for this episode of Secure Talk. Today, we're going to be talking to Sanjay Raja, who is the Vice President of Product Marketing and Solutions for Guricle. And we're going to be talking to Sanjay about what Guricle does and what he sees in the marketplace for Sims and Soars and, and more. But before we do that, let's say hi to Sanjay. Sanjay, how are you today? Good, Mark. How are you doing today? Pretty good. It's Friday, and uh, I'm looking forward to the weekend. And you're about three hours ahead, so you're just that much closer to the weekend, aren't you? I am a little bit closer, and I'm pretty excited for it. It's actually a pretty nice day out here, and I'm on the East Coast, the U.S., and uh, it's uh, pretty nice out here, so I'm looking forward to it. Awesome. Hey, I, I think that you're in Boston. Is that right? Uh, it is right. Yeah, I'm just on the outside. How is the you know ecosystem for cybersecurity companies in the Boston area? It's actually very strong. We, we've got a lot of different companies or a lot of startups, um, you know, across the board. So I'd say, um, you know, it, it's probably, you know, second or third in the country in terms of uh, cybersecurity companies and technology companies in general. So, um, you know, I'd say New York is up there. Uh, we're up there. And then, of course, Silicon Valley, you know, is uh, the ultimate in terms of uh, uh, different companies and things like that, of course, especially startups. Being on the East Coast, does it help you at all with targeting, like, uh, you know, federal contracts? Um, it, it, it does to some extent. Um, you know, obviously, the relationships you can build become a little bit easier in some cases. But, you know, it, it's really dependent on the organization and how well they're willing to, uh, um, you know, really, again, partner with uh, federal agencies and even, you know, other resellers and things like that that work with federal agencies. Because, you know, it is very specialized, right? And, right. And even with, um, even in New York, you know, a lot of people ask the same question, financial institutions, which I was very applicable to the talk today, um, you know, being a, a large number of them in New York and, you know, with Wall Street and everything. Um, again, it, it is good because, uh, you know, just like uh, other parts of the world culturally and uh, different customers in different regions have, uh, you know, have a different outlook on things and, and what they're looking for, so. Excellent. Hey, you know, I'm, I'm looking at your website here and if I, you know, do the drop down menu for products um, and solutions, I, I get a, a lot of different options. Mm -hmm. So let me ask you if, uh, you know, we're, we're, we hop in the elevator together and I ask you, what does Guricle actually do? What would you tell me? Yeah, it's, uh, it's really a, a platform that, uh, that we've built that started out with focusing on um, really user and entity behavior and, and understanding risky behavior and then being able to, uh, you know, highlight that in the beginning. But over time, what we've done is we've added a lot of other capabilities to the platform that allow us to confirm that and not just kind of identify risky behavior, but identify malicious behavior starting out with that risk. Um, but that requires, you know, understanding devices and endpoints and network traffic and all sorts of other things. So, you know, from there, the company's evolved into build, building a very, very strong security operations and or insider threat uh, platform um, that's again really focused on confirming some sort of attack whether it's inside or outside uh, more than just doing detection and that's really where our strength is is the ability to um, make it a lot easier to validate and confirm uh, what a security operations team uh, is seeing so that they can act more quickly um, and that you know uh, I'd say the biggest biggest challenge of that today is a lot of manual processes, a lot of tasks, 
um, I'd say not getting getting enough data, um, you know, too much data coming in in some cases and so, you know, in some ways and uh, just overburning security teams and, and even inside of threat teams and our ability to kind of, you know, look through that noise and filter through that noise and really uh, elevate what's important is really what the uh, platform is all about. Well, I'm, you know, I, I know that you, you know the competitive landscape better than I ever will, but there are obviously some other, a, a lot of other players in this space. What is Guracle's kind of unique selling point or positioning that um, that you believe, you know, um, makes you deserve a seat at the table? Yeah, you know, it, it's really, you know, when you look at security operations or again any sort of security team, you know, and how they how they do their job is that from beginning to end, there are a bunch of steps that they have to go through, right? You know, I call it like a life cycle or a journey they have to go through within, you know, as part of their daily jobs. And and really what Guracle can do better than our competition or, or vendors that are similar in the space is from the beginning of that journey all the way to the end of that journey, we really can optimize every stage of that in such a way that, uh, again, it, it's, you know, a organization, their biggest challenge is being able to stop a breach in time Right? It's not just stopping it, it's doing it quickly enough. And our ability to really compress all those different stages around you know, gathering data, or sorry, even, even deployment, gathering data, um, you know, being able to get provide visibility, detect a threat to begin with, right? accelerate investigation, which is very often the long pole uh, for any security organization. It's very difficult for them to do that and prioritize that. And then build a response. But it's the fact that we're doing that for the organization, the ability to customize it and really make it work much better than other solutions is really the core of what we do. I have to describe one thing um, in terms of how we differentiate versus again our, our, our competition, right? And you know, there are lots of different solutions like Sims and XDR vendors, and you know, even other inside of threat programs, and you know, endpoint detection response, all sorts of different acronyms out there for sure. But it, it's really um, you know, all those things are trying to serve the same purpose, which is how do I enable a security team to be successful, faster, uh, optimized, and really prevent some sort of damage to, you know, to happen to an organization? So that's really what our goal is, and that's really, you know, we feel we've developed a very differentiated platform to help security team do that more effectively. Well, some of the components of what you're talking about is or include, you know, the ability to detect anomalous behavior or potentially kind of uh, dangerous behavior. Um, and some of those capabilities are being, you know, obviously greatly enhanced by the adoption of AI or the advancement of AI. Another another aspect of these type of this type of a platform would be the ability to pull signal from right. a variety of sources to kind of, you know, cross-reference. Oh, okay, this was this kind of a strange behavior here that we haven't seen before, and we notice that there's some kind of uh, sketchy behavior or, or, or activity um, in this particular country where this uh, activity is taking place. I'm making very kind of lightweight, superficial um, examples here. No, but, no, no, no. Um, and then, and then an, a, another component I would think would be, you know, the ability to kind of set policies and then automate some type of response. Um, okay. Am I, am I kind of, going in the right direction with these things? No, I, I mean, Mark, you covered a lot of important topics right there and the very relevant topics around around the space and what people are looking for and, and how people talk about their solutions and things. So no, I mean, everything you said is uh, actually very important 
for a security team and, and in general, you know, a lot of vendors, they talk about these things in different different ways. So um, not very spot on, right? Again, you're talking about things from, you know, being able to collect data from a lot of different sources. And, and that's one of the, you know, and, and we see problems and limitations with all the things you described, to be honest, is that, you know, uh, we see that being able to really drop in and pull data even from unknown things, right? Things you've never seen before. That's plagued the industry for a while, especially when you come, you know, talking about cloud or even IoT. You know, how do I really pull in all the relevant data I need? Because as people have migrated to the cloud uh, and, and are, you know, operating in hybrid environments, one that increases complexity of does my, you know, existing security solution fit there, right? And, and a lot of vendors, what they do is they just kind of make tweaks to it and go, oh, here you go, it's ready for the cloud. And it's really not. But with that also introduces, um, you know, challenges in the sense of the amount of data that the cloud opens up to an organization kind of floods them, right? And it, it really suddenly, as you start to move things to the cloud more actively, the amount of alerts and even false positives just grows astronomically for a security team. So there's always a challenge around, you know, I, I, I knew a CISO who said this term, which is, you know, how do I pick uh, a needle out of a needle stack, right? It's just how do you, how do you, instead of a needle out of a haystack, and it's because you've got all this data coming in, you've got more and more data coming in, and you have to figure out which one of these things are relevant to the organization and what the criticality of them are, because, you know, you're getting 100,000 alerts a day, you know, you're not a security team of three people is going to be a sit through all of them, right? They have to figure out which ones are the important ones. And that goes into what, what you said as well, which is, you know, you know, you're the different analytics and the different, you know, um, AI and things like that, they, you know, most solutions are very good about being able to, you know, pick out their category. And what I mean by that is the security team will get an alert from, let's say, a network traffic analyzer, and it says, okay, here's the alert I found. Um, but at the same time, they have to really piece together, is this alert that I'm getting related to another one? Is it really related or is it independent? And that's a manual process. So that's really one of the biggest uh, things that, hurt a security team and kind of slow them down is I have to build a puzzle, right? I have to take all these different pieces and build a puzzle. And, you know, I don't know if these puzzle pieces are important or not. And I don't know if they're relevant to this puzzle, but it's even worse than that, right? It's they have four or five puzzles they need to build, which could be different attacks. And it's all a big jumble of puzzle pieces. And now they have to figure out, does this puzzle piece go with this puzzle or that puzzle? Is this a puzzle that you want to build? You know, and, and that's really the challenge that what they're really looking for is a photograph, right? How do I have some puzzle already built that I see the picture? And that's really what security teams are trying to do, right? They want that picture. They want to be able to see this is exactly what's going on as quickly as possible, right? They don't really have the time or want to spend time, you know, I'm joking about puzzles, but making puzzle, right? right. Um, and that's really where a lot of the technologies are today. Because as soon as I build that photograph, now I know what the problem is. I know that all the different things I'm seeing come together to make an attack. And that's usually how I, I talk about it myself is, you know, you get a lot of events, those events could represent a threat or a threat activity, but how do I piece all those together to figure out this is part of an attack campaign where, you know, there's phishing, there's lateral movement, there's, you know, maybe exfiltrating data, there's trying to figure out where the, you know, key resources are, you know, maybe I want to install a malware, a ransomware, uh, client on there, you know, th there's different things and activity that a threat actor does before, you know, I always call it detonation, where they detonate the ransomware or they start stealing data or whatever their objective is, or, you know, defacing a website or taking it down. 
whatever the case is, that they have an objective they're trying to accomplish. And that, you know, I call that moment the detonation moment. Mm-hmm. Well, that's really where, you know, um, it's piecing that together and going, oh, this person is going to try to execute, you know, a ransomware attack. This is the ransomware attack. Let me take steps to prevent it now. And, and that's really, uh, you know, the challenge security teams have. And, and the challenge a lot of solutions out there in terms of, they they really force the security teams to do a lot of that work manually, right? Mm-hmm. They make it easier. They do things to make it easier, but that manual effort in, in piecing that puzzle together, unfortunately, is still a huge problem. Let me ask you, what types of organizations are you um, targeting in terms of your customer profile? Yeah, I mean, so so we both are able to figure out external threat activity, you know, and, and insider threats, right? So when I say insider threat, you know, we consider insider threat to even be a trusted business partner or a supply chain partner because, you know, a lot of times they have some level of access to your network too. So does that make them an outsider or an insider? We, we consider that more an insider. But so so our targets are, are pretty broad, right? I mean, we, you know, any sort of organization that is susceptible to, you know, ransomware attack, uh, data theft, or even even you know, disruption of business, right? Even a manufacturing site where uh, disrupting the business could be beneficial to, say, even a you know nation state threat actor or sponsor or state sponsored threat actor. So any of those type of organizations that you know we're applicable for, when you talk about insider threat specifically, that that tends to be, you know, definitely uh, we see more activity there, concern there around, um, you know, companies that have a lot of intellectual property financial institutions, even healthcare, where they've got a lot of, um, you know, patient data, those type of areas where they're concerned about, um, you know, employees having, you know, keys to the kingdom, right, uh, as they right. say. So that that's really where most of our activity is on the insider threat side, but otherwise, you know, in, you know, any organization that's concerned about um, a ransomware attack or, or data breach of some sort is where we're applicable. And, so we even do business with, you know, K through 12 organizations or universities because, you know, they've got a lot of, they're actually pretty right targets, especially K through 12, because they don't have the resources or funding to be able to really support a lot of security folks or even a lot of security products. So uh, that's a, you know, that's an area that is well underserved and we're a great fit for that only because um, threat actors do go after those environments pretty heavily because they, they're more susceptible um, and, they've, and they've got a lot of information around students and, and parents and, you know, um, getting a lot of personal data still stored in the school organization. So that's an example of, you know, a target that a lot of people don't think of that is, uh, you know, again, a big area for threat actors. Well, if you talk about financial institutions and then you talk about schools, I mean, you're talking about relatively large organizations then. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm assuming that when they're looking at some type of solution like this, that they're 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 looking at a couple different options, uh, typically. When you and then you know when you talk about those three different areas, the, you know anomalous behavior detection and you know looking at signal from a variety of sources, being able to kind of um, cross index those or or, or um, you know make those kind of uh, help to enhance the decision-making capabilities and then being able to automate that. Those are kind of like three areas that um, are pretty critical. Is there some type of evaluation process? And the, re- the reason, I mean, if you think about my the, the listeners of Secure Talk Podcast, it's a lot, of, they're, they're a lot of security professionals, right? And, yeah. and, and, and they're out there trying to understand what's available in the market. 
also, you know, what's the evaluation process? So what are you seeing in terms of when you're in a competitive situation for those specific, you know, three, three areas there, is there a way to, to, to measure um, other than, you know, you know, spreadsheeting things out? Is there, is there some kind of process that you can do to demonstrate, you know, your competitive advantage? Yeah, you know, there, there's a there's a few things. One is, you know, the when you start out with identifying behaviors, right? That's really a very strong start to any sort of detection of a, any sort of threat, right? Inside or otherwise, because it's indicating there's some sort of anomalous or risk there that wouldn't normally be detected by you know a traditional mechanism, right? It's not, it may not be just a standard piece of malware. It might be something a little bit different, or even a new attack or a variant. It's something that again you may not have even seen before. So starting out with behavior is always very important and a very key step, um, and, and it helps, <clears throat> you know, give an indication that I have to look at something more closely or actively. But you know, the, the caution I give around that right is when someone's evaluating a solution, um, you know, having even even worked in you know network behavioral anomaly detection, you know, 20 years ago, right? That that area, the the importance of behavior and being able to create the right rules and things like that, and really understand, well, how do I determine if something is um, first of all, anomalous behavior, and then how do I determine that anomalous behavior is suspicious behavior, and then how do I go from suspicious to confirming it's malicious? And that's really where a behavioral solution has to be evaluated. How well does it carry me through those stages? That That's dependent on the first thing, which is um, a strong set of behavioral models and rules, because, you know, I, I've seen a lot of, lot of other security vendors and companies say, oh, we've, we've added, you know, UEBA, which is, you know, user into the behavioral analytics, right? Now, if, if they just added something like that in the last year or two or in the last few years, you know, behavioral models really need to be battle tested, right? They need to be deployed in a wide variety of customer environments, et cetera, and really refined as much as possible because otherwise you're gonna be throwing a huge number of alerts. If you've got a, a brand new UBA solution that you're inserting in an environment, you, the first thing you'll see is just a flood of information and, and a lot of it's not even relevant. And the example I use, you, know, you kind of said about oversimplifying things in some ways, you know, I, I do the same thing, right? A very simple example that I've used many times is if a salesperson is trying to access uh, Salesforce, right, or their, their sales database, and they're, but they're driving in their car on the way to a sales call, and they should be doing that, but they're trying to do it through their phone, right? And they're trying to look up mm -hmm. something. They enter their password credentials in, you know, several times incorrectly because, well, you know, they're distracted. Um, if that happens, is that... It's certainly an anomaly, but is it something that should be considered suspicious? Well, that depends, um, you know, or malicious. And it depends on, you know, do I understand what access policies they have, right? Do I understand, you know, who they are, uh, what their role is, what, what systems they have access to, you know, where their location is, for example. Um, and, you know, it's collecting all that other data to go along with the behavior that really starts to shift it from just being anomalous and being a false positive, right? To being something, well, hold on a second. In this case, the person entered their password every two seconds incorrectly. The person is a North American sales rep, let's say, and yet this is occurring from, you know, uh, you know, let's say North Korea as an example. And you look at that. <laughs> I think yeah. if anything, if anything at all happens in North Korea, that's a flag. <laughs> Doesn't well, matter. Yeah, exactly. Even if they get the password correct, it's a flag. <laughs> I know that's true. Yeah. So let's say let's let's be you know a little better about. It. Let's say you know let's say it's uh, Belgium, right? Let's say something like Belgium. It's occurring from there, 
But this person also, you know, am I able to look up even information in the HR system around that person is not filed for vacation, right? I mean, if you can get to that level of granularity, now you're able to see that, okay, based on the fact that, okay, maybe they're on vacation. Okay, well, then maybe it's not as high a severity or risk as it would be if they weren't. But it's really around being able to gather that telemetry and around that type of information, detailed information that's very precise and accurate, and putting that together to basically decide on whether this is really something malicious or not. And, you know, another great example is if I see, you know, if I'm basically taking a weird behavior and going, well, that behavior is very unusual. And at the same time, I don't see that, you know, that person doesn't have access to that system normally, or they haven't touched that system in a long time. And I'm also seeing that um, their peers, let's say peer groups, right, are, are not really accessing the system either. That's the start of something I should monitor more actively, right? But right. then if I'm starting to see, wait a minute, all of a sudden that person has now has a connection uh, going to the outside world from the server, which they usually don't do. And now I'm also seeing that that connection is going to, oh, I looked it up, it's a known malware site, right? It, it's being able to piece that together and be able to say, now I've gone from something that might be abnormal or unusual to something that when I put all these pieces together, definitely looks like it's malicious, right? And, and when you talk about insider threat, for example, you know, that is is critical for insider threat even more than looking at an external threat actor because now you're talking about a possible employee. You have to actually notify HR. You know, you may have to talk to your legal team depending on what occurred, right? There, there are a lot of steps and process and procedures you have to take to be able to go and, you know, make sure that you're doing the right thing and reporting that type of finding and setting off potentially, you know, a chain of activity around that. Um, much more serious issue in some ways, because again, you're involving other groups outside of UNIT around the particular topic. So the the ability to confirm an attack and really validate it, um, again, shortens the time for any security operations team, but is absolutely critical uh, in, in insider threat scenarios as well. Um, no. and, you know, and that's very important to be able to tie that together. Now, to your other question, one other way to validate it is that other solutions, you know, that at least we've seen on the market, they will throw alerts up for those type of things individually, but they're not really chaining those together to confirm that this activity is related to this activity and this activity. And because they're related in, in a certain way, we can actually, you know, let's say elevate a risk score or, or like raise a red flag that this is much more serious than you'd expect, even if it's an external threat actor, right? It doesn't matter if it's internal or external, it's the same process either way. And by the way, now we've packaged all the context together for you around behavior, around network activity, endpoint data, you know, what their access rights are, all together in a nice package that if you have to take action, now I've got my action steps that I need to take as well. Because again, it's something where I don't have to track that out manually and build that on my own. No, totally makes a lot of sense. Um, and it was funny when you were describing the, the salesperson in North America, trying to log in from their phone while they're driving in the car and getting the wrong password having spent a big chunk of my career either you know in sales or leading sales teams i can imagine that scenario and i can imagine the, the distracted driving and i can imagine the sales people going those those damn it guys man <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh so, but uh, no, everything you said to totally makes uh, a lot of sense. I'm, I'm just curious what insights you can do or if you think it's important to look at the device 
that is being used and can if you if you can reference whether or not there are any known vulnerabilities for that device if there are any you know uh, updates that need to be uh, you know deployed or do do you do you cross reference devices at all yeah you know it, it it's interesting it's it's being able to see it, it, all the assets right whether they're cloud based you know regardless of the asset or even a security solution right so so one of the important factors that that I, i'd say limits a lot of solutions are can i pull in data from everything everywhere at any time right and even if i don't know what that data is can I interpret that data? So, you know, when you talked to, you mentioned actually AI and machine learning, and, 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 you know, I actually did a paper on this too, is that the sad truth is that, you know, people kind of lump them together. They go machine learning and AI, right? And and they're not really the same thing necessarily. Most people look at, you know, uh, rule-based AI or learn machine learning. And most vendors, what they're really saying, when they say ML, it's not really ML at all, you know, as I, as I you know, contract that, it, it's really, just a set of rules that I built, and I and I always joke and I call them flowcharts, but it's basically a known set of rules that I put together and say, okay, based on this set of you know rule-based model, right? I I know what this attack looks like. Let me um, you know basically implement that model, and if I see it again, I'll trigger the model and I'll say, okay, here's an alert. It, the and then and again, that's where you know I hate to say it, you know I'm marketing my title, but a lot of marketing teams have let's say exaggerated or used words improperly around machine learning and, and AI. And again, most most vendors use rule-based AI, which is fine. Again, it's much more useful than nothing. But at the same time, it's it's not the perception that people have around what is really machine learning. Well, it's really learning about the environment, you know, pulling in as much data as possible, being able to really interpret that data over time and, and customize what you're looking for based on Again, the environment you're in. So, uh, you know, like you said, right, in the scenario around the salesperson doing that, well, if I know that, you know, Shelly, let's say, you know, does that all the time, um, I, I can learn over time and understand if I have a true machine learning system that, okay, well, that's kind of how Shelly operates. And yeah, she's still in North America, but she does that all the time. It's okay. I'm going to start to maybe suppress or lower the risk of that based on what I'm seeing. A flowchart can't do that, right? It'll just say, oh, she logged in five times or incorrectly. I'm going to raise an alert. But a rule-based system, oh, sorry, a real learn system can can figure out, okay, Shelly's done this five times in the last, you know, three days. This is something that she has a behavior pattern. Now, if I see something going well past that point, you know, or something that, that breaks that, um, then either I'll have to decide to elevate that alert or I'll decide to keep learning, right? It just depends. But but that's the power of proper machine learning is that it can adapt over time to the organization, regardless of whether it's an individual or whatever it is, set of policies, et cetera. Um, you know, that's one factor. And I'd say the other factor too around, um, around that is how well can I customize my rules to match my policies and right and how my actual organization works. Uh, and that's the other thing we see with, you know, SIMs, XDR platforms, you know, insider threat platform solutions, is that the level of customization required to really make them work well is, is not very good. So when you take the fact that I don't really have true machine learning, I'm just using behavioral analytics, which, you know, again, throws a lot of false positives up. Um, and I don't, I'm not able to learn about what's right or wrong in the environment. It makes it really hard to figure out abnormal to suspicious to malicious, right? It makes it harder. And the other piece too is, if I can't customize some of my models up front, 
and I don't have the ability to do that easily. Well, again, that that makes it really hard to align my you know my detection capabilities and my response capabilities towards my organization, right? And I want to be able to do that. I want to make sure that I can I can whenever I identify something that is malicious and confirm that, I can make sure that the steps I take, the groups I work with, who I talk to, I can actually um, you know be able to take the right steps. So to your 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 point around vulnerabilities and things like that, is the ability to ingest vulnerability data or even um, threat intelligence and threat research from third parties is very important for even a security solution that sits in the sock because you know your response is really built around not only taking that vulnerability information and oh yeah these systems are vulnerable to this attack that's a confirmation that this attack is really targeting those systems um, and that's that means that that risk score of that asset being compromised or, or having been taken over is much higher I know I need to go address that first. I need to lock down that vulnerability first because it's being actively attacked by some third party right, or a threat actor. So, but but again, that goes into the response capability. So, you know, what you'll see is a, a lot of vendors and, and I've always had a thing about risk scoring, right? And scores in general and scorecards and all that is, how is that score or prioritization being developed? If it's being developed because I'm just taking third party risk scores and putting them together and averaging them, that's not that useful. If I'm learning about the environment, pulling in vulnerability data, right? Pulling in asset information, being able to see third-party intelligence sources around what's going on in the wild. If I can combine all that and then develop a risk score and subsequent prioritization, that's very impactful, right? That's dynamic in nature and it, it adapts and changes over time based on, on risk. So, you know, whenever I hear the, the expression that somebody has a risk score, I always question, is it is it just an adding up of some third party, you know, score mechanism, or is it really calculating that for your environment based on what it's seeing and based on what's going on on the world today, going on the world today? That's that's very effective, right? That's what can really move the needle for a security team to move faster. No, it, it, this is a really good points, and I, I've seen both. Um, there are plenty of examples. You have uh, platforms like Security Scorecard that kind of look from the outside in at you and your vendors and say, you know, here are some potential risks. And then you have things, and I might be getting this wrong, so you please correct me if I'm, no, if I am. Yeah. Um, but you have like with uh, with Microsoft or M365, they have the, what used to be the O365 secure score, now it's the M365 secure score that actually looks at your M365 tenant and says, <laughs> Hey, here here's your score based, you know, relevant to in relation to your peers in the industry that you're in, and here are some things that you can do that would have well, they prioritize based upon uh, least impact to the end user, um, and then also prioritize based upon greatest impact to your security profile, and you know, and that's that's pretty cool. Like you know, hey, uh, yep. turn on MFA for global admins. Okay, well that's that's pretty important. That's pretty relevant. But that's but that's limited to the you know M365 um, I guess uh, productivity and security suite. Right. Um, so, but yeah, everything you said t totally makes sense. Uh, let me ask you: Are do you guys when 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 you deploy uh, are do you offer managed services to help with that, or how does that work? So, so we have a a cloud based. It's a SaaS offering, so it is a you know software as a service offering, and and we're a little unusual there too, right? We we can work in be hosted in whatever cloud environment, you know, you're, you're looking for. So, you know, I've always seen this even in other companies that sometimes, you know, if you're tied to your SaaS offering in AWS, 
and they're an Azure shop, they go, well, can you support us in Azure? Because that's how all our, you know, our cloud environment is based on that are billing. We don't really want to have two different vendors. You know, in certain cases, some, sometimes people want multiple vendors. But, but it's really the case of, you know, I, I rarely see a SaaS solution that's not tied to one single vendor. Now I can collect data from any of the other solutions, but, you know, the ability to, to be hosted is different. So we're able to be hosted in any, any cloud environment, uh, you know, mm -hmm. whether it's Cloudflare or AWS or GCP or whatever it is, which is, you know, again, a little unusual, let alone collect data from those environments. But we have, you know, so, so as, a, as a SaaS solution, we can be on-premise as well. We, we do have some capability to manage certain pieces. Certainly we have services and things that we can help with building out models and deployment service and all that, but we can do some level of management for some of our smaller clients, but we tend to, um, you know, we have a, a different MSSP partners that we tend to refer people that are looking for more of a, a full managed service to. Mm -hmm. um, and that's what we do, right? So we, we can offer a small, uh, a little bit of that, but we're really not trying to compete with the managed service providers of the world at all. And so again, we just kind of refer them to either one, you know, if they've got one they recommend, we'll try to work with that, but we've got our own list that we work with and and, and that's our, our solution to that, if that's what we're looking for. Great, well, so so I guess maybe the subtext of that is it, most of your customers or a lot of your customers can develop the in-house expertise to, to use your platform, I, I, I'm assuming in a relatively short amount of time. Yes, I mean, so so what we pride ourselves on too is that, you know, I mentioned the customization around our modeling and our ability to detect threats and et cetera, you know, for an organization, but it's because that we've got that, you know, machine learning capability, we've got customizable models. It's all very transparent too, in terms of what we can show a user. So even a, let's say a less mature security operations team, if they've got a lot of junior analysts that are kind of at the front lines of things, you know, they may not understand everything they're seeing, but because we present the information to them in terms of how our models are built, how they look, you know, how we triggered, how we chained them together, you know, and, and even, you know, and even our playbooks and everything that we have are very customized for the environment. We show all that, right? And, and, I, and that's a, a differentiator for us too, is a lot of our competition, they don't really uh, show that information. A lot of the models that they, they um, include with their solution are are obscured and, and so you don't really see what it's doing underneath the covers you see the results of the data we did the opposite because we thought that not only is it good to be just show what we're doing and, and can you know be able to help a more mature analyst or a more senior analyst um since a mature but more senior analyst uh understand things and go okay this is how Gurukul triggered on this or decided this was an attack campaign we also figured that the junior analyst can get benefit out of seeing everything we did and start to learn how to be better because they're going, oh, they looked at these different pieces here around identity, around network, et cetera, and they put all this together. That's how they knew the attack campaign. That makes them a better analyst at the end of the day. So, so we do look at you know a, a team where if they're not really expert experts and don't have a lot of expertise, sure, again, we have training service and all that kind of stuff, but our platform itself is meant to make it as easy as possible for them. So we can go very, very, you know, we can be very, I, I hate to use the word automated because we're not really automating things as much as we're um, eliminating steps, manual steps, really. I guess that's automation, but, you know, again, we're not automating responses or things like that, but we're, we're shrinking the amount of steps required by an analyst. Um, and, and that's really, again, how we, how we can detect the threat faster and also help with response faster. But, you know, as we shrink those steps, we're still making them transparent to the user. 
and they can still go customize them if they would like to around what triggers certain things or what workflows they build or whatever it is. So we've got to kind of got the best of both worlds where we're simplifying things, but it can be customized for a more advanced user. Um, so we can cater to, you know, smaller organizations or, or less staffed organizations or even, you know, people, you know, organizations with a lot of new people. We're still geared towards that, but for a complex, heavy enterprise, let's say, um, they can customize the heck out of the platform as they want to as well. Awesome. Hey, um, let's uh, let's jump over to your role. So as VP of product marketing uh, and solutions, but let's focus on the product marketing there. What, I mean, what are your biggest challenges? I mean, you know, how do you do something, yeah, how do you I, do something that's a little bit different than the rest of the industry? And I, I'm assuming that your sales team is saying, hey, give us leads. And right. and and by the way, we want a brand that we rec can recognize and blah, blah, blah. So, you know, tell me about your challenges and, and what you're doing for those. Yeah, you know, it, the biggest challenge is cutting through the the, the level of noise. And I, and I kind of made, you know, alluded to that before, right? Is that, you know, I, I remember when ML and AI came out, it was a big term. And, and whether people had it or not, they say they had it. And it's because marketing teams were trying to compete with, Again, the competition, right? And so they'd say, right. oh, "Yeah, we have, we, you know, we have ML." And and you know, you talk to the engineering and product teams and go, "Well," and you go, "Hey, close enough." And, and that's <laughs> and unfortunately, that's what you fight all the time is, you know, that you know when it goes too far and it's inaccurate is where it becomes a problem. And unfortunately, there are so many vendors out there that claim to have a silver bullet. You know, I mean, we talk about you know XDR, right? The the insanity on XDR, like what is it? How did it start? I I mean. If you look at the history of that term and how it was created, it's very different from from who created it, right? And I won't mention any vendors, but it, it's just fascinating to me when I see, you know, all these different acronyms and, you know, we want to make this new acronym and we want to start this and we want to start that. It just caused a lot of noise and confusion for customers that, what are they trying to do? At the end of the day, they're just trying to stop damage to their organization and, and you know, whether it's something stolen, whether money, whatever it is, right? And the security team is just, sitting there trying to do what they can to again prevent whatever damage it is and yet all these other you know solutions will talk about oh, we can do this we can do that well can you and and you know like i look at identity analytics right and, and girl calls it identity analytics for years now and, and very very you know heavyweight when i say heavyweight we work with all the identity vendors out there to be able to understand okay at a user level what is this person what do they what privileges do they have what entitlements do they have what are they actually allowed to do that's great, but how do I marry that with all the other telemetry intelligence I'm getting from endpoints and you know network traffic and logs and all that stuff, right? But but you look at suddenly identity is a big deal in XDR in the last year or so, and you look at it and you go, where did all this noise come from? You know, we've known it's important for a while, but now you hear it, see it here, and there's a lot of wild claims around what we can do around identity when they're really not doing a whole lot there. Right? It's very actually simplistic around what they're doing, not very advanced at all. But marketing teams, you know, start to make a bunch of claims and say, oh, well, I saw this vendor say this, so we're going to say this too. That That's one of the biggest challenges I have. You know, as a marketer, you know, my goal is, you know, beyond that, right? I, I've come from an engineering and product background before. I, you know, I really like to figure out what is it we're doing different that can help somebody? It's not just about using terms and things that someone else used to compete in a crowded market. It's we've got things that we can effectively do. And, you know, I mentioned model chaining, right? That's something no one else can really do. Where, where we can actually take models and put them together. And that's really how you figure out that this is a full-blown attack. And that's how you automate that process, right? We can do that. 
And yet, you know, when another vendor says they do model chaining, they're not really doing that at all. They're, they're using the term incorrectly. As a marketer, that's my biggest challenge. It's the amount of inaccurate marketing thing, you know, terms that are thrown out there to talk about different technologies and not clarifying what that means, right? And what it means, and more importantly, how does it impact the analyst, the director, the architect, the CISO, not really capturing that um, and being able to, to talk through that and the value that it's offering them to make their lives easier. That's where, you know, as a marketer, it's tough. Well, and then, I mean, this is not a marketing show, but it, but it, it is interesting. Um, so what are your options then, um, you know, to, to go out there and just kind of shout, get, you know, above all the other voices or to you take a completely different tack? I mean, you know, what do you, what can you do? Because yeah, I, I see yeah. the same thing, you know, it, it's, it, and I totally agree with you, by the way, it's like, they don't care if it's AI or if it's ML, what they, what they want is a, a, a platform that will truly identify anomalous behavior and automate some type of response. Okay. So, and, and really what they're trying to do is protect their system and do it in a cost-effective way that doesn't take a lot of manual kind of um, intervention. So that's that's where you're breaking it down. But if you put that on a brochure, that's not very sexy, you know. So it, it isn't. Yeah, it's you know, and, and it's and, yeah, and I can't put down, you know. Well, my goal, you know, if I'm a vendor sitting there, I'm already. My goal is to come back next year and sell you more. I mean, that's <laughs> you know, that's unfortunately that's what it is, right? And so you know, the question is, do I really need this stuff or not? In some cases, so yeah, you know, it it, it is. It's it's trying to come up with the right mission to talk about things and and really describe what's failing for you today, right? There, there's clearly a reason that people are looking for solutions, right? People systems have been around forever. Why are they looking at either trying to replace it or add to it or do something? Because at the end of the day, that they're still getting breached, right? They're still getting mm -hmm. you know attacked, etc. And that's not going to go away anytime soon. So at the same time, it's it's really trying to elevate that message around look, there's a better way to do things. There's a different way to do things. And, you know, you can get tangible benefit from it as opposed to, let's just add this other piece to the thing. You know, let, let's add another puzzle to the set of puzzle pieces that got put together, right? And that's really, you know, the message that we, we're trying to get across is that it's not just about, you know, adding another puzzle and trying to build more puzzle pieces. It's really around, how do I take the puzzle I have and put it together as quickly as possible so I get that photograph? You know, that, that as, a, as a marker, that is tough, right? You know, again, it's because as soon as you develop a messaging, someone else takes it, steals it right away or uses it. Um, but but it's being able to, you know, talk boldly without being inaccurate, right? And, I, and I've seen vendors that have, you know, made a lot of marketing claims and said things. And at the same time, the sales execution is completely different from the marketing claims, which always fascinates me when I see that. But, but it does happen. So, you know, uh, there was a point in time where uh, a vendor said that they would, uh, you know, they can replace all your firewalls with their firewall, right? All the firewalls that are out there are terrible. And, and the reality is that nobody ever did that, right? They didn't do it for five, six years. They're doing it now, but it took years for that to happen. I think you probably figured out the vendor I'm talking about, but it took years for that to happen. Um, it, it, because, you know, these are not things that are easily replaceable. These are things that are intertwined in my environment. I have to figure out, is, is the next solution better? I have to have confidence and the trust in it, and I have to get past the marketing claim. So, there's always that balance of being bold and making strong claims, but being able to back it up. And that's the thing is, you know, my goal as a marketer and the way I try to market things is that I'm going to make those bold claims, but I have to be able to back it up. And if I can back it up, then we'll get the win, right? And so that's really where, that's my advice, I guess, for marketers is, you know, if you're thinking very short-sighted thinking, then you might make those false claims and, you know, make bold claims that you really can't back up. 
at the, at the end of the day, it, it's not, you know, you're going to lose the confidence of the customer over time. Yeah, I think the whole industry shoots itself in the foot. I've been in uh, many, many meetings when you go in, and especially the initial meetings, and you're doing your presentation, and you can see on the customer side, you know, their their IT team, their security team, kind of looking at you, going like, "Yeah, right." It's yeah, you know, come on, man. <laughs> you know, yeah. and um, it, it, because I mean, with all sales, trust is incredibly important. But when you're talking about you know some type of security related product that they're going to bring onto their they're going to use to protect their organization. I mean, I I can't think of anything that's greater, more important than actually just trusting that the 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 um, vendor is going to be able to you know actually do what they say they can do. Right. And until you to till you actually hit the switch and turn go live, I, sometimes you don't know, you know. So no, you, uh, you don't, you don't. You know, yeah. I, I came in the you know I I've been in testing companies before we tested. You know, when when performance and speeds and fees were so important back in the day, you know they're so important, but they're not emphasized as much. Um, you know, I, I, vendors would say, oh yeah, we can do a gig of this, or we can do 10 gig of this. And then you put it in line in the network and it drop down to, you know, hundred meg. And you go, what happened? You, got, you know, you said this is a gig box and it's not. And, you know, even the networking world, I remember that happening all the time. And it's just, you know, again, it's, it's where, you know, marketing takes over and, and has to play that speed and feed game in terms of how fast I can be. Well, we're a hundred gig, well, we're a 200 gig, <laughs> you know, it, it's that kind of yeah. thing. And, and, you know, we see that in security now. It happens all the time too, in terms of, you know, depending on uh, your your point of view, um, you know, and, and how you came up with the numbers, you know, we were talking about risk scoring, right? Is that yeah. even with risk scoring, it's like, well, is the risk score important or is how you came up with the risk score important, right? And it's really mm -hmm. how you came up with it. So the score itself is meaningless unless you know how you came up with it. So it, it's the same kind of thing. In security, it's how did you really get to this point to do what you say you're doing? And if you can back that up, you know, it, that that's really, how do I get that, the fact that I can back it up higher up in the message, right? And that's really where, um, you know, like you said, right, in the sales situation, walking in, you know, it's really around how I'm going to help you. And then let's talk about how we're actually doing it underneath that. And I think that's really the key. So, you know, I uh, think, yeah, that, that's some some great observations and great advice. Well, hey, Sanjay, I uh, enjoy this conversation. And thank you so much for your time and uh, have a great 2023. All right, Mark. Thanks so much. You too. Hello, welcome to Secure Talk, your trusted source of information on the latest threats, trends, tools, and technology related to cybersecurity and compliance.